your flagship of Golden State Warriors basketball. 95.7 The Game presents... Pulls up from downtown. Beyond the Arc. Got it! Brought to you by Mount Mike's Pizza. Now we take you 23 feet, 9 inches, and then some. Boldly go where no man has gone before. To the voice of Warriors basketball, Tim Roy. Curry with the ball in the front court. Comes left, pass to Draymond, deflected. Curry gets it, turns, fires, and hits. That was ridiculous. A bad pass, deflected. He caught, turned in one motion, and knocked down a three. Draymond to the front court. To Curry. Curry for three. It's a new NBA record for Steph Curry. He's got 13 at the Warriors lead, 109-97. 46 points for Curry. 13 of 17 outside the arc. History made tonight an Oracle and a timeout for the Pelicans. Steph Curry last night just uh, knocking down shots, making history, taking names, and helping the Golden State Warriors to their fifth win of the season. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, and welcome to Beyond the Arc, the Warriors' weekly radio show. It's our election night edition here on Beyond the Arc on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors back in action tomorrow night when they take on the Dallas Mavericks starting at 7 o'clock and maybe a future presidential candidate in Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. All this election intrigue tonight. Warriors in Dallas tomorrow night. Coming up on tonight's show, we talk with Warriors assistant general manager and the VP of basketball operations, Travis Schlenk. I asked Travis about how the team is coming together, what steps they need to improve, and we also delve into the number of great basketball minds that he's had a chance to work with. People like Chuck Daly, Pat Riley, Don Nelson that have helped shape Travis's basketball career. We'll answer your questions on Warriors Vox in our fan segment. Draymond Green learns a little bit more about coding and coming up later on the show. And this, a year where we celebrate 70 years of Warriors basketball. Over 50 of them have involved one Al Adels. Yesterday was Al's 80th birthday, and we celebrated out at Oracle with cupcakes. Rick Barry was on hand, and a number of great videos were shown up on the big board at Oracle honoring the great warrior Al Adels. Years ago, I had a chance to sit down in one of the great suites at Oracle Arena and talk to Al Adels about his life in basketball. You'll hear part of that conversation coming up on tonight's show. Well, you heard the music. That's part of our election coverage here on 95.7 The Game. And, of course, the Warriors 2016-2017 season presented by Kaiser Permanente. And right now, 95.7 and Beyond the Arc is ready to call the great state of North Carolina. And we say that the state of North Carolina goes to Wardell Stephen Curry. So Curry has taken the great state of North Carolina, and we start our conversation right now with Warriors VP of Basketball Operations and Assistant General Manager, Travis Schlenk. Travis, always a pleasure to uh, talk some basketball with you. Last night, of course, Steph Curry setting the NBA record with 13 threes in a game, but, but I thought on the whole, as a team, it uh, really showed just where the Warriors are at right now. You know, there were there's flashes of of what we all are hoping to see, a lot a lot of that in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, again, a team that looks like it's still learning each other, a little bit out of sync and, and still has work to do uh, to get to where, where they want to go. Is, is that a, a pretty fair assessment? Would you agree with that, the looking at last night's game? Yeah, obviously in the second quarter uh, we had that spurt. Oh, I think what it was a twenty-three to three run or whatever that we're all we're all kind of maybe expecting too much out of this group um, to happen every night. And then you know, kind of like we saw last year, we'll have a end of the second quarter where it kind of goes from being a twenty-one point lead back to a twelve-point lead at halftime. Where if we could just close out that second quarter, maybe at halftime, you know, the game's over, and then you know we come out in the third quarter kind of flat again like happened last year with the group too so I think you know we're still trying to stay focused you know this group is so talented the ability to stay focused through the whole game is something we're, st- we're still trying to learn uh, to do and then obviously as far as the pieces missed together 
I think guys it's at some point get a little too unselfish if that makes sense you know guys are you know trying to make the the right play as opposed to being aggressive looking for their shot you know especially you know talking about Kevin trying to fit in he he's trying to fill his way around I think more than uh, he has in the past certainly in Oklahoma City and not being quite as aggressive as you know we'd probably like him to be you know, it's interesting. I sometimes, you know, I go back to the old Nelly adage, you know, a shot created must be taken. And I think at times so far in the first few games, it seems like there have been shots right there for people, but they're they're so anxious and, and willing to make the extra pass, maybe they give up a shot that they should have taken to try to create another shot. Yeah, I mean, in this league, if you get an open 15, 17-foot jump shot, you may not get a better shot than the rest of the possession. I mean, that might not be true with our guys. We have some guys that can create shots. But, uh, yeah, if you get an open look, like you said, you're better off taking it than uh, more often than not. Travis Schlank is our guest here on Beyond the Archive. Tim Roy, and, and uh, last night Curry setting the record for a three-point makes. And what what I was astounded driving home thinking about it is that – you know, he, he had 13 threes, and yet it didn't feel out of the norm. You know, it didn't feel like it was unbelievable. Well, that's because he's had 12 a couple yeah, times, 11 that, a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> You're I mean, spoiled, Tim. <laughs> it, we, are, we are spoiled, and I think it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable how he has changed what is normal in the game. He's really rewriting, you know, that part of the NBA's history. You know, from beyond the arc, he is a he's, he's transformative. I think it's it's interesting to watch. Yeah, especially the way that he gets a lot of those shots. Like especially the first half, a couple of them. You know, the ball bounces off guys' legs and he just picks it up and shoots it. You know, one time he's trying to split a double team and lose control, and the ball bounces back to him and he just shoots it. It's just, we haven't seen in in the past three point shooters were were spot up guys or coming off a screen and catching and shooting it. His ability to shoot it off the dribble from the, the links that he shoots it from and just off balance it's it's really it's really impressive are you concerned at all with the clay thompson i keep telling people to he he's he kind of got off to a slow start last year as well and that with clay it just takes one night one one make and all of a sudden everything switches on for him uh i'm not all, all overly concerned with him because he gives you so much on the other end but are there any concerns at all no, I don't think so. He, you know, he's actually playing, sh- well, shooting the ball really well from inside the arc, too. He's, you know, putting the ball on the floor, hitting that little, you know, pull-up he likes to do where he drives in there and does the little half spin. Uh, he, so, you know, he's not making his threes right now. He's had a bunch of wide-open looks. I, I think it might be in his head a little bit right now. But like you said, we, we've seen this guy get 37 and a quarter. I mean, it, he could the f- switch could flick at any time, and that's easy for some people to say, but apparently not me. <laughs> it's easier for Clay to flip that switch. <laughs> exactly, I think it is. It exactly. Is for you to say it. Um, <laughs> well, how different uh, has to will the defense have to be this year, Travis, in order for the Warriors to become, you know, the type of team that can go win a title? I think. You know, probably the biggest difference is if we're going to have to gang rebound. Not that we didn't have to gang rebound in the past, but, uh, you know, Andrew was a, a guy that could go out and get 10 rebounds. Not that Zaza can't, but Andrew's longer, uh, plays a little bit uh, more above the rim than Zaza does for sure. Uh, what we've seen so far in the early season is Steve playing David West uh, at the backup five. You know, I think Kevon Looney is is going to st- probably start to get some more minutes as we move further. Who's a you know a little bit better rebounder, a little more length. But you know, with David at the backup five, another guy who plays below the rim, more of a position rebounder. So we're going to need to see our guards come back and and help us on the glass. You know, Kevin's certainly capable. He's had a 17 rebound game, but you know, it's something that you know he's got to focus on and make a priority uh, in his nightly game obviously Steph's a good rebounding point guard I think you know he averages around five rebounds over his career which for a point guard's great and Clay is another guy who's capable but sometimes it's just something he doesn't focus on so I think all in all we can become the kind of defensive team um, that's going to be capable to compete for a championship we're just going to have to have a, a consistent group focus on the glass every night to grab those defensive rebounds Travis Schlank is our guest. He is the uh, Assistant General Manager, VP of Basketball Operations for the Golden State Warriors. I'm Tim Roy. I'm beyond the arc. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your background. You're, 
you grew up or a native of Selden, Kansas. It's not an NBA area per se, but it's a great basketball area. So as a young lad, uh, who were your basketball heroes? Well, I grew up in the 90s, so I'll give you one guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I mean. Did you listen, fly? I, did you, did you think, take off the foul line? Or did you? I, I think most guys uh, growing up my age, you know, especially when you didn't grow up in an NBA city, you know, you, you grew up a Jordan fan. You know, he, he was he was the face of the NBA, obviously, for, you know, the period of the 90s there. So I grew up watching a lot of Bulls games on WGN. Uh, so, you know, he, he was the guy that you looked up to for sure. As you started to, to uh, play in, in, in high school, you know, did, did what, what attracted you to basketball? Why basketball and maybe not some other sport? It's a good question. I think for myself growing up in a small town, I could go out in my backyard with my hoop and just shoot by myself over and over. I didn't, you know, grow up in a large metropolitan area where you had, you know, 15, 20 guys around where you could play a game of baseball or, you know, play a, a game of football. Uh, you you kind of had to be independent where I grew up in the country. So, you know, basketball was a thing you could go out there and do by yourself and just shoot over and over again. So I, I think, you know, I've always, always enjoyed it, and that's just kind of what I did in the past time. It was kind of hard to go out there with a football and throw it against the garage and have the garage throw it back to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the garage wasn't as good a passer as, as you wanted it to be. The, <laughs> had to shorten your routes a little bit. So uh, so you, you end up playing at, at, uh, at Bethel College, and then after your, 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 your undergraduate days, you go and get a master's at uh, at Wichita State with an emphasis in sports administration. So I imagine at that point you had a pretty good idea of where you wanted to go in your career. Well, you might be surprised about that, Tim. <laughs> 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 no, uh, my whole life growing up, I, I uh, always wanted to be a college basketball coach. I never really gave the NBA uh, much thought. And to get a job working as a college basketball coach, everyone told me you have to go get your master's. So that's why I went to Wichita State to get the master's degree. Um, and while there, I had to do an internship, and I didn't really know what to do it in, so I just kind of sent my resume out to a bunch of different NBA teams and was fortunate enough to um, get offered positions with a couple teams as interns. Um, I ended up choosing the Orlando Magic as my internship because that program was working in the basketball operations department um i was extremely fortunate there john gabriel was the general manager at the time uh chuck daly was the head coach um uh, so you know i was surrounded with good people um a good organization and uh you know just kind of got lucky by getting my foot in the door there what did you learn uh if anything at all from from chuck daly in that that year working for orlando um, Chuck, Chuck was a, you know, a lot of Chuck's characteristics remind me of Coach Kerr's characteristics. Chuck had the ability to make everybody, uh, whether you're the last guy on the bench or, or Penny Hardaway at the time, all the way down to an intern like myself, uh, feel important. I remember, um, after my year as an intern there, um, I went to the University of Georgia to be the director of basketball operations for a year. And the Magic had brought me back after that uh, college season was over to help out to prepare for the playoffs. And I remember I had just gotten back uh, to Orlando, and we had gotten let go at Georgia because the year didn't go that well. And Chuck, uh, I took him to a doctor's appointment, I believe, in the car, and uh, we were driving along, and he hadn't seen me in six or seven months, and you know, he knew that I'd gotten let go to Georgia, and he said, congratulations. And I kind of looked at him puzzled. <laughs> he said, now you're a real coach. You're not a real coach until you get fired. So just the ability to take, you know, someone getting started out in the business and got their first job and lost it, and you're feeling kind of down. But, you know, he had the ability to make you kind of feel good about it. Like, all right, you're part of the club now, son. <laughs> so he, he was he was a great guy for sure. I asked him one time what was his best skill as a head coach. What did he think he did did really well? And his answer was selective hearing. <laughs> you have to have that for sure. <laughs> you have to have that for sure. 
He said, uh, he said, when a guy pull a guy out of a game and he's walking back to the bench and he's yelling at me, I act like I don't hear him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I have that with my wife. She doesn't think it's such a great skill. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 an NBA skill. I'm pretty sure that's it's a it's a specific skill set for the National Basketball Association. So after or- Orlando, you go cross state, you go and and work in Miami, which you know obviously run by Pat Riley. That had to be a fascinating experience because. You know he's a he's a different kind of a guy, and and I, so I would I guess what did you pick up there that you still apply in your in your day to day work? Well, I always tell people I got my master's degree at Wichita State and I got my doctor's for the Miami Heat. Pat's attention to detail was was off the charts. Uh, you know, probably to the OCD level, but you know just and not only Pat, all the guys are there. You know, when I was there, I was fortunate enough to work with. Uh, Stan Van Gundy was the lead assistant coach. Jeff Bizdelic, who went on to be the head coach of Denver Nuggets and co- head coach in college, and now is the assistant coach of Houston Rockets. Uh, Mark Arveroni, you may recall, was the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Eric Sprolster, who's currently the head coach of the Miami Heat, was there as well. Bob McAdoo, who still works for the Heat. So just a long line of great coaches there working underneath Pat. And, you know, like I said, Pat's... Pat's drive and endless pursuit for perfection was, you know, just just really impressive to see. So you move from uh, the, the Miami Heat, you come to the Warriors, and totally different in his approach, but uh, a genius in his own way is Don Nelson. So you you've kind of gotten all this input from some of the greats of the game, who really come at it in different ways. Yeah, uh, you know, when you talk about the three guys that had the good fortune to work for with you know chuck if we're going to put them all in a line would kind of be in the middle you know he had the attention to detail but certainly was a more fun loving guy and laid back guy than someone like pat who was you know clear over here on the right side and then we get to nelly who's clear over here on the left and um his you know his ability to make adjustments in the game and just, you know, see the game and decide to do stuff and, you know, get other coaches to do what he wanted them to do was <laughs> is really impressive. We'd be sitting back, you know, behind the bench during games and he'd make a substitution and we'd all kind of look at each other like, what in the world are we doing? And sure enough, the next two or three minutes, that substitution will go in and start working. <laughs> just like, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, just from being up top and and looking down on the floor with the way we are with radio now in the NBA. The the one aspect of it that was fascinating with Nelly would be to watch Nelly make that substitution and see the other coach kind of look over in confusion, like what is he doing? And then he in turn would make a substitution and take a better player off the floor and put a worse player on the floor to match up. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. It happened all the time. And, you know, to go back from those three guys, I think the one thing that I learned and really stands out to me is, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, there you can have. I think the most important thing, you know, probably not just in coaching but in life, is you, you have to be who you are. You know, Pat Riley couldn't have been successful being like Don Nelson, and Don Nelson couldn't have been successful being like Pat Riley. And you know, Chuck, as we mentioned, was kind of a combination of both. But that worked for him because that was his personality. So, you have to go out there, you know, being a leader, and you have to be yourself. And and these guys know talking about the players these guys know when you're being genuine um and when you're not so you have to go out there and lead by who you are and i think that's the one thing that stands out about how all those guys you know handled themselves we're talking with travis schlank the warriors assistant gm vp of basketball operations and and a couple questions before we let you go one is the uh the guy that you worked with and worked for who I think is the kind of the unsung hero of this run of the Warriors. That's Larry Riley. And, and, and talk about the job he did because he took the general manager's job when it was not a great position to be in. Things weren't exactly going the way that the Warriors would have wanted. And yet he was around. He was the guy that was in, in the war room when the, the Warriors did draft uh, Stephen Curry. Talk about Larry Riley and, and kind of the job he did in transitioning the franchise from one ownership uh, to the next? 
Well, I mean, as as you know, when when Larry got the job, I, I still remember, you know, he came to me and said, I want you to come to front office with me. And, you know, we were at the Hoop Summit in Portland, and we were sitting in the hotel after the game, and, you know, we were talking about it. And so, well, you know, if we do this, you know, these are the changes we're going to have to make, and they're not going to be changes. They're going to be be able to be made right away. So, you know, we we had a plan. We we set forth a game plan of what we wanted to do. Now, if you know, Larry tells you he knew Steph was going to two-time MVP, he might be pulling your leg a little bit there. But, you know, that was certainly a guy that Larry larry liked from the beginning and you know made a priority to go out and get during the draft i I still remember when we interviewed well when we interviewed steph in chicago at the pre-draft camp it it wasn't an interview it was more of a sales pitch for larry um you know it was no secret steph didn't come in and work out for us here you know he and his people had their sights kind of set on new york who were picking eighth right behind us and you know we had steph for in a room for 20 minutes and larry did his best used car salesman pitch man he he laid it laid it on thick for steph to try to, to try to get him to see that it wouldn't be a bad place for him to come and, and obviously things turned out a lot better than anybody could have predicted way back in 2009 during the draft. Larry Riley, who of course uh, ended up with Bob Myers being hired and uh, groomed him for a replacement. Larry Riley helping set this in motion uh, to where the Warriors are the team that they are today. And speaking of today's team, Trav, we we are just starting the season. With the the game tomorrow night, they'll be roughly one-tenth of the way uh, through the NBA season. We know how long uh, that regular season is. You know, how, much, how long do you think before we see the Warriors start to uh, gel and become the team we think they can be? Well, you know, last year, you know, we hit the ground running from day one. Um, and then, unfortunately, we weren't playing our best basketball at the end of the year. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily important that we're playing our best basketball by a certain point. I think it's more important we're playing our best basketball in, you know, May and June, hopefully, as opposed to playing our best basketball in December and January. I think that, you know, the more time these guys spend together on the court, obviously it's going to help. And like we talked about earlier, you know, Clay's going to start hitting shots. Nobody has any concerns about that. And Kevin's going to start to feel more comfortable. I mean, I think we've already seen um, – you know some of the young guys you know Kavon stepping up a few times here in a few games so hopefully he's going to start getting more comfortable out there so you know whether it's January whether it's December whether it's February I I just hope that you know that we're playing our best basketball when we get to the spring. Well Travis uh, we appreciate you coming on to Beyond the Arc. Actually, one final question. Where is Jamario Davidson? No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jamario uh, Davidson's <laughs> in Spain, I believe. <laughs> You're on top he, of it. You're he, right on top he, of it. He was one of our first D-League call-ups back when I first started. So, Well, Travis, thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Did you uh, get a chance to go out and vote today? I voted through the mail a couple of weeks ago, so I've very done nice. my civic duty. Very nice, very nice. I look forward to seeing you out at Oracle tomorrow night when the Warriors welcome back Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, and the Dallas Mavericks. All right, Tim, thanks a lot. Warriors assistant jail manager Travis Schlanke is also the VP of Basketball Operations. Another update from our election coverage here at 95.7 The Game and Beyond the Arc. It's the District of Columbia. And 95.7 The Game is calling the District of Columbia for Kevin Durant. Durant has carried the district tonight here on Election Night. We continue on Beyond the Arc here on 95.7 The Game. I'm Tim Roy. Uh, Glad you're with us here on this election night. Hope we're giving you some sort of uh, distraction from the end of what has been a very... Well, shall we say, interesting presidential campaign. And we'll come back and find out about your questions about the Warriors and the NBA when we go to Twitter, at WarriorsVox, as well as finding out about Draymond Green learning about coding. That is next on Beyond the Arc on 95.7 The Game. We're going back. Takes about a 30-footer. Way back to Beyond the Arc. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. We continue on Beyond the Arc. I am Tim Roy. Glad you're with us here on the Warriors Weekly Radio Show on 95.7. The game, no static at all. Tomorrow, the Warriors will host the Dallas Mavericks for the first time this season. And Dub Nation will get the chance to welcome Andrew Bogut and Harrison Barnes 
back to Warriors ground. Get your verified official tickets to the Warriors Mavericks game at warriors.com. Time now to answer your questions at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or you can send me an email at timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. We try to use as many as we can. Start off here with a quick note for you. Dirk Nowitzki comes to town tomorrow night. He's been banged up, but he is one win shy of having the sixth most wins in NBA history as a player. He would tie Derek Fisher with 853 wins. Uh, in the number five spot would be Carl Malone with 952. John Stockton with 953. Those two forever like Tim Duncan, 1,001 wins, tied with Robert Parrish for second, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 1,074 victories as an NBA player, first all time. Well, the Bay Ray wants to know, will Zaza get better on D? Will he play more physical? And I, I think for Zaza, he's probably the, the guy that's having the, the toughest time fitting in. Does he play physical? Absolutely. He's a very physical player. He's very strong. Uh, is he a, a guy that's going to elevate and knock shots away? No. He will get in great position on the defensive end. He's not going to look like he's having a tremendous impact there. So he's finding his way to use himself as a screen, as a defensive help guy, as a rebounder. These are all different things, and he's being asked to do things he's not used to do, switching on the defensive end, guarding guys in the perimeter, or per se he's not uh, asked to do that on another team. So a lot going on there for Zaza Pachulia. The Bay Ray, I would say just be a little patient with Zaza. It's seven games into the season. And, again, long-term, big picture, uh, it's going to be better if Zaza and the Warriors are in complete sync in March and April than they are now. Uh, so, again, it's only seven games in. We're not even one-tenth of the way through the season. And so I, I think we still have a lot of growing pains to watch with this Golden State Warriors club. Well, last night, uh, Stephen Curry, who was coming off a night in Los Angeles that he would like to forget, he was 0 for 10 outside the three-point line, and had his streak of 157 straight games with a three snapped in L.A. But he wanted to bounce back, and did he ever bounce back as he broke the NBA record for made threes last night as the Warriors knocked off the New Orleans Pelicans. Petulia with a rebound. Gives it to Kevin Durant. On the go to Curry. Catches it. Fires for three. Got it. Curry, his last five games against the Pelicans, 26 for 53 from distance, 49%. Curry. Curry fakes and fires. Hits a three, and it's money in the bank, and we're tied at 17. Curry looks ahead. Curry. Pass batted down by Curry. Iguodala saves it to Clark. Cross-court Curry. Fakes. Dribbles and fires and hits a three. 12 points for Curry on a play that a colleague of mine likes to call mess. Nice to make the first one after the last game. and was able to get some open looks early and often. And good things happen. So I mean, the last two were pretty pretty special. Just the flow of the game was kind of close. Made I think one or two I call tough ones, and, and the last one was just kind of a heat check, just see if it goes in or not. And thankfully it did. Curry with the ball in the front court comes left, pass to Draymond, deflected. Curry gets it, turns, fires, and hits. That was ridiculous. A bad pass, deflected. He caught it, turned in one motion, and knocked down a three. Draymond wrestled away the rebound from Salmon Hill. Takes it to the front court. Swings the ball to Curry. Left side three. Got another one. Curry now with five triples. He's got 18 points. And the Warriors have a double-digit lead. 50 to 40, and the Pelicans want time. Cunningham for more. Right corner triple. Nothing there. Clay Thompson with the rebound. Throws for Curry, who grabs it before it goes out of bounds. Splits traffic. Takes a three. Oh, my goodness. Curry just dropped the mic and get it over with. It's 53-40. to 40. The Warriors lead by 13. That's the first time I thought about it, yeah. I've been in that situation, I think, two other times where I had a shot at it down the stretch of the game. But uh, this was, was a special night. Play fumbled and got it to Curry. Curry goes up in traffic and scores low right. Everything going down for Curry. And the Warriors, just like that, lead by 21. Pass Curry, dropped by Draymond. Curry picked it up, fired away. Knocks down a three. 
Ball to Curry. Far side, takes a dribble, takes a three. Got it just like that. Curry nailed it. And he's very demonstrative as he comes back up the floor. He's 9 of 12 outside the arc. Yeah, that was quite a show. Not, not at all surprising. Way Steph bounces back from uh, bad nights. He's done this, maybe not 13 of them, but he's done it throughout his career where you know, he comes right back um, off of a bad game and, and uh, lights it up, so didn't surprise me. Down the right side, ISO on Galloway, crossover dribble to the right hand, spins into the double team. Clark, touch pass, Curry, fakes, fly by, three ball, got another one! He's got 10 threes, and the Warriors lead by six. He get down on the bounce to Curry, fakes, fly by, three ball, got another one! That's 11 for Curry. And the Warriors lead by 8, 103-95. Curry's got 40. He goes down on the top. Tops it up the screen by Draymond. Clay picks up the dribble, finds Curry. Curry pump fakes, fires away. Career high tying. 12-3 for Curry. And it's 106-97. He's got 43. And it ties the NBA record. That's a pretty good shooter. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a decent shooter. Draymond to the front court. The Curry. Curry for three. It's a new NBA record for Steph Curry. He's got 13 at the Warriors lead 109-97. 46 points for Curry. 13 of 17 outside the arc. History made tonight an Oracle and a timeout for the Pelicans. Just another great night for Stephen Curry. Thanks to our senior radio producer, R.C. Davis, for that piece. As always, a nice job from, from R.C. That means our election coverage continues on 95.7 The Game and Beyond the Arc. We're calling the California Senate race, and that is going to go to Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson uh, picks up the Senate position in the state of California. That's Clay Alexander uh, Thompson. On to last night, and uh, Bob wanted to know about uh, Steve Kerr in his pregame press conference, who was asked about... The election, of all things. Yes, the election question spared not even the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. What do you think? Who would be the best president from your roster and why? Oh, okay. Best president from our roster. Um, Andre um, could be a good president, but he, he knows too much and he sees too much, and he would just be so disgusted by the process he would just walk away. So... Normally I would say Andre, but uh, i got to find the most diplomatic guy. So I'll go with KD right now. He's, uh, he's in a good place. He's, uh, he's new. He's getting to know everybody. He'd probably do, do a pretty good job. Well, the head coach is diplomatic as always as well. We continue on Beyond the Arc with a look at how the Warriors are helping make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Warriors all-star forward Draymond Green paid a visit to Oakland High School last month to learn how to code with students from the school's computer science program. By doing so, Draymond launched the Warriors' latest community platform, the Warriors Code, which aims to address a lack of diversity in the technology sector by making computer science available to underrepresented Bay Area students. As part of the event, Draymond was coding side-by-side -side with students. Afterwards, he spoke to a school assembly, challenging the kids to learn new schools, to adapt to evolving technology, and to build their self-confidence through hard work. In his efforts, Draymond was joined by Oakland Unified School District Superintendent Antoine Wilson. And Draymond also invited over 100 Oakland High School students to head to Oracle Arena to watch the Warriors open practice. Additional Warriors Code events will be held throughout the 2016-2017 season, including an hour of code event in December. Well, the team will join a global movement involving over 100 million students. It's all part of the ongoing efforts of the Golden State Warriors to try to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Give it up for number 23, Draymond Green! Code.org has partnered with Oakland's Unified School District to bring computer science to every classroom and every school. You know, what we did today is really just dial it up to 11 by bringing Draymond and the Golden State Warriors announcing their, their Warriors Code program. Doing things with kids is always, 
you know, been one of the biggest things to me. I enjoy it. We live in a world today where technology, you know, pretty much push everything in this world, you know, and so giving them the basic fundamentals, you know, to to be able to enter that world, you know, and possibly have a career in it one day, I think it's very important. I love coding because I plan to be a software engineer in the future, so I love technology, I love everything about it. So coding is just one step closer to my dream. It's creative. I think that people think of coding as this like technical or nerdy thing to do. For kids, I think it's the opportunity to see something that you make come alive. The Golden State Warriors want to support Oakland Unified Schools and bring in coding and computer science and, and that level of opportunity for every kid to have a chance. The Splash. Quick release, Splash! Has returned. This is Beyond the Arc, presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. That's Apple getting the rebound. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Warrior fans, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Your answer could win you a pair of tickets to the Warriors' January 18th game against Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook. To enter, comment on Lucky Supermarket's Instagram post about Klondike and tell them what you would do for a Klondike bar. Do it before November 14th. Here on election night, we continue our coverage on 95.7 and beyond the arc. Time now to call the great state of Michigan. And that will go to one and the only, the man from Saginaw, Draymond Green. Tabbed as our winner in the state of Michigan. And our election coverage continues here on 95.7 again. No static at all. We're celebrating 70 years of Warriors basketball this season. And for 57 of them, the Warriors have had an employee by the name of Al. Al Adels was born in Newark, New Jersey, and was drafted by the Warriors in 1960. That's the Philadelphia Warriors, and he was drafted in the fifth round. And since that moment, he has been affiliated with the club in one capacity or another, building a unique relationship with the Warriors fan base, centered on commitment, loyalty, and dedication. In August of 2014, Adels was honored by the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, with the John R. Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award. He's one of six players in Warriors history to have his jersey retired. When you go to Oracle, you see the number 16 hanging high in the rafters. He joined Rick Barry, Will Chamberlain, Thomas Sherry, Chris Mullen, and Nate Thurman, and remains one of the most publicly recognizable sports figures in the Bay Area. In short, he is a Bay Area treasure and a Warriors legend. Years ago, I had a chance to sit down with Al Adels in one of the suites at Oracle Arena and talk about his life and times in the great game of basketball. Here's part of that conversation. As yesterday at Oracle, we had a celebration, Al Adels turning 80 years old. Well, I'm sitting here with one of my favorite guys in, in uh, all the NBA, and that's Mr. Warrior Al Adels. You've been with this franchise now 50 years with the Warriors franchise. Back when it was in Philadelphia, you moved out west and... and uh, I guess time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. Uh, the most important thing about it, and the funniest thing about it, I think, is I only expected to be there one week. You know, I, I believe, you know, just being in the right place at the right time is more important than anything in life, and I just have to be in the right place. So you come into the Warriors, and there's some established stars there and some young stars there. Talk a little bit about the roster when you arrive. Well, obviously, uh, you have to start with Will. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Will and I are very, very close. Um, and then my roommate was Guy Rogers, but a guy who I was very, very fond of uh, was Paul Arizon. Uh, Paul was a perennial all-star. Uh, he won the top 50, obviously, just like Wilt. Um, but, but Paul was a player who, who was older than we were. So he came to work, gave his 100% of his, what he had to the effort, and then he went home every night. Now you were involved in one of the uh Great games in sports history as far as records go. Will Chamberlain with 100 points in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia Warriors against the New York Knicks. Other than Wilton, the dominance and what we know about that night, is there any background story or any side story that you know? You'd be surprised the number of people that I've talked to over the years who said, yeah, you played in a game with a guy got 100 points and you lost the game. A lot of people think we lost the game because of how they felt about Will. We actually won the game, and that's, well, that was paramount. Number two, Will tried to come out of the game before he got to 100. 
And we all wanted to do what was necessary to win. And if, if he could have scored 200 points, we would have, and we won, that's all we wanted. So, and I remember we were sitting in the locker room, one of those old time locker rooms, and I was sitting next to him. And water was coming down, he had a stat sheet. And he just kept shaking his head like this. And I'm going, big fella, what's the matter? He said, I never thought I would take 60 shots in a ball game. And I, you know, being a math major myself, I said, yeah, but you, you made 36 of them, which is better, 50%. But he was really, really, you know, upset that he had taken that many shots. And, uh, and Wilt was our star, and, and nobody complained about it. We were all happy because the more he shined, the better chance we had to win. And that's all we were there for. The Tinkas order, after a couple of years, Will Chamberlain gets traded. How hard was that for you because of how close you and Wilt were? Well, you know, it really, it really hurt because Wilt and I and, and Guy, the three of us, like you know, the three, three amigos, so to speak. And uh, the one thing that was very interesting about that trade, Wilt had this Rolls Royce, and he tells me, "I'm going to let you keep this car for the for the year." I'm going, no big fella, I'm not going to drive that car. And I told him, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, we're going to park this car somewhere. Because, and then he said, why? He said, you can, you know, you can use it. And you, you know, I said, but I said, well, think about this. Suppose I get a scratch on it. It's going to cost more than I made to get it fixed. And so we didn't do it. But, uh, you know, he was, you know, I could tell stories about him, uh, you know, things that he did that people would just not believe. Uh, but he, as we say, he's bigger than life. Let's uh, now go to the next step because that okay. trade actually opened Nate the Thurman. door for Nate Thurman Absolutely, to play. Right. And uh, one of the greats of all time. In yeah. fact, we were just in Cleveland. His number's retired there. Oh, everywhere. Even, yeah, <laughs> even though he only played a couple of years. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But uh, what kind of a, a player, what kind of a guy was Nate like during his career? Nate was, he was, he was an interesting guy in that <clears throat> Nate would cover up for everybody. I don't care what happened. And, he would, you know, if he got fouls on him or whatever, but he really believed in that, that theory of the center being your last line of defense. And, you know, he, he, he just was a great teammate. My biggest, my biggest uh, complaint, you know, was the fact that when we did finally win a championship, uh, Nate was not here. But, uh, but I really feel badly about that. I've known you for over 15 years, and so I'm going to ask you something you don't want to talk about. Uh, how did you get that nickname? The Destroyer. Very simple. Very, you, know, it, you know, back then guys used to make up stuff. And, and seriously, and I'll tell you how it happened. We were playing in Boston. They had, there was a loose ball. It came off and the loose ball was loose. And there's three of us going for the loose ball. Dal Shaves, Tom Gola, and Al Edel. We all were trying to get the ball. And, we hit, and there was a pileup. Bang. Then we all hit. Gola gets knocked down. And Dalshays gets knocked down and his jaw gets broken. They were in the locker room afterwards and Larry Costello says to Dal, he said, boy, you got hit by the destroyer. <laughs> now all of a sudden I'm the destroyer and I'm going, where'd this come from? <laughs> I know where it came from. They figure, okay, who are we gonna give it to? The little, little guy from Newark who, who's not gonna be in the league long, give it to that guy, so that's the way it happened. Things changed for you as a player in the 69-70 season with about 30 games to go and your second career started. How did you become a player coach? Mr. Muley came to my house. He, he talks for a little while and he says, uh, I'd like you to take over team. I said, no, I don't want to do that. And he says, why? And I give him my reasons why. And my number one reason was that I didn't think that a change was going to help the team. You know, that year Nate was injured and we couldn't make a trade, so you know the thing was going to be, you know, status quo. And he said, "Well, you know, we just like another look and look at it." I said, "Well, Ted, what I'll do?" I said, "We have 30 games left." I said, "I'll take for the 30 games, and then next year I'll go back to playing." And he said, "Okay, fine. We have 30 games. And at the end of the 30 games, this, the winning percentage was exactly the same as it had been prior to those 30 games." And he calls me and he says, "Well, you know, we'd like you to take over for next year." And I thought about it and I said, you know what? I said, I would, you know, I'll take it over for one year. I said, and the reason I'll do it for one year is I said, because those players never stopped playing. You know, they came to practice every day, they worked hard, but they never, they never, you know, gave up. They, they did a good job. And I said, well, what I'd like to do is take the team over from the beginning, see how we will do. 
and that's the year we ended up, you know, we made the playoffs. And we came in fair-haired boy, made the playoffs, and uh, I think a year or two later we won the most games any Warrior team had ever won. But it was a great season, and, and then that kind of started me on the way. Rick Barry arrived in, in 65, in the 65 draft, and then left for a while, went to the ABA. He comes back, it starts the ball rolling toward the championship season 74-75. As you look at Rick Barry, why was he such a special player? Well, first of all, because he's from New Jersey. <laughs> he's from New Jersey. Where you're from. Yeah, right. He's not too far from where I was from. But, uh, I, and I remember playing against him in the playground as, uh, when I was still playing. But, but he was a special player. He was, uh, I remember, remember the first, we used to have these scrimmages in practice. And you had Tom Sherry who one day, one day we were scrimmaging. And, and, and he's going to show the rookie that, you know, he's playing in the, in the NBA. Rick turned him inside out. <laughs> Rick, and, and Tommy was so bad out, he wanted to fight him. I mean, Rick was lighting him up in practice, and, and Tommy was trying everything he could. And then at the end of it, I guess he went to him and said, Rook, he's going to be great, <laughs> something like that. But uh, no, he was, he was special. In the 74-75 season, team ends up winning 48 games. Was there a point though where you thought, hey, this is a really good team? In the beginning of the year, it was interesting because we were picked last in the conference, last in the division, last in the league. You know, we lost Clyde Lee, and we ended up with a lot of people that nobody thought very much of. And, and we weren't the best defensive team in the league that year, but we could go eight, nine minutes and, not, and the team wouldn't score. And so we did get better defensively. And, uh, you know, we had some young players, but, you know, everybody bought into a concept. And the concept was Rick Barry was our best player, period, end of report. Now you got a lot of guys who are pretty even. Now, if you think you got a chance to play, you're going to be looking and seeing what's going on so you get in the game. Well, that was my theory. As the season went on, and they saw that we were out wearing out teams with numbers and whatever. Plus, guys were coming and making contributions that you never thought they would make if they, you know, if they weren't getting in very much. It was almost a college atmosphere kind of thing with, of camaraderie, and it and it, it took place on the floor. I mean, if, if you look at the championship game, the basket that won the game for us was George Johnson, who comes off the bench. Did you feel going in that the Warriors were a good enough team to beat the Bulls? I really had confidence in the team. Whether we could beat them or not, I didn't know. But they were, you know, they were head and shoulders. It was, they won like 60-some-odd games or 60 games, whatever it was. And we won 44, I think. The night before, I'm laying on the bed before, the, before I go down to dinner, watching TV. The guy comes on and he says, the, the Warriors are going to play against the uh, Washington Bullets. This is the biggest mismatch in the history of professional basketball. Now, I got a little temper. Sometimes I get upset about something. And I'm looking around to throw something in that TV. I'm looking around. Now it comes time for the pregame. I said, any of you guys watch TV last night? One or two guys raised their hand. I said, did you see what you hear what the announcer said about us? Here's what he said. And I, I gave him most of what the guy said about what, us being the worst team in the history of the league playing the final. And I said, well, now I say, Joe, forget the plays. Just forget the plays. Let's go out there and play and win. The Golden State Warriors have just won the NBA championship. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Al Adels. And if you have not had a chance uh, to listen to it or if you're just joining the party here uh, beyond the arc on 95.7, this entire show can be heard at warriors.com, soundcloud.com slash warriors, and it's also available on iTunes. Well, being a Warriors insider gives you the inside scoop before anyone else. Insiders enjoy access to ticket pre-sales, and for every home game this season, an insider will be randomly selected to win a pair of tickets. Become an insider today at warriors.com slash insider. We wrap up our election night coverage here on 95.7 on Beyond the Arc with a look ahead to the upcoming schedule right here on 95.7 The Game. Curry with another three, three, three. Tim Roy takes you back to three-point land. He's got another three. As Beyond the Arc continues. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. On the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. 
Beyond the Arc continues. We wrap it up with a look ahead to the upcoming schedule. Brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Play here. Play the best. Stop by CashCreek.com for upcoming concerts and events. Big night at Oracle tomorrow night. The Dallas Mavericks come to town, and that means we reunite with two old friends, not only center and through Bogut, but also forward Harrison Barnes. Enters down low to Barnes against Lyles. Faces off from the left baseline, and he hits from 15. And that's three baskets here in the first quarter for Harrison Barnes. Warriors and Mavs, 7 o'clock with the uh, pregame show on 95.7. The game, no static at all, but no rest for the weary. After the game, the Warriors will get on a plane and fly to Denver. Maybe the toughest back-to-back travel-wise in the NBA. From the West Coast to Denver to take on Danilo Gallinari and the improving Denver Nuggets. There's a high pick and roll with Kenneth Fareed. Nelson throws right side to Gallinari. Three-pointer. Got it. Warriors in Denver less than 24 hours after the opening tip at Oracle. 5.30 with the pregame show. Warriors and the Nuggets on 95.7 the game. Golden State gets Friday and Saturday without a game. But Sunday back on the hardwood at Oracle. 4.30 with the pregame show. A special 5 o'clock start time when the Warriors take on the Phoenix Suns. It's Filipino Heritage Night brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. For the Suns, they bring one of the brightest young talents in the NBA. And that second-year pro, Devin Booker. Cousins at three-point range. Now the lob inside, knocked down by Warren. Suns have the steal. Give it to Bledsoe, give it to Booker all alone. He goes down for the jam. Warriors and Suns on Sunday. Beyond the Arc is Tuesday night next week, 7 o'clock, as always presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. Get your verified tickets at warriors.com or call GSW Hoop and press 1. Operator standing by, waiting, ready to assist you. Well, it's going to be our final update on this election night here from our continuing coverage at 95.7 The Game and Beyond the Arc. And this one involves an election overseas. Uh, There is a new president of the Republic of Georgia, and we are calling it at 95.7 The Game for Zaza Pachulia. Zaza is now your new president of the Republic of Georgia. Hope you enjoyed our our election coverage. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Al Adels, Warriors legend. And again, if you missed any part of that conversation, available for you at warriors.com, soundcloud.com slash warriors, and on iTunes. Also want to thank Warriors Assistant to General Manager and VP of Basketball Operations. That is Travis Schlenk. I'm Tim Roy for Beyond the Arc. Dave Feldhouse at the controls here at 95.7 The Game, and he is uh, keeping you updated on what's happening elsewhere in the world on this election night. Plus, R.C. Davis, the senior radio producer of Golden State Warriors Radio, put together that uh, nice feature on Steph Curry and the 13 threes from last night the new NBA record. Hi, Tim Roy saying good night from Beyond the Arc. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Oracle, 7 o'clock with the pregame show. Stay tuned next year on 95.7 The Game for Zach and the Guru. Enjoy your election night and please travel safe. This is 95.7 The Game, Crystal Clear FM. This has been Beyond the Arc. There's a point I won't go beyond. Tim Roy's weekly rundown of all things Golden State. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. Shoots a three. Got it. Top of the circle. Three by Curry. For tickets, call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.